0: Welcome to the Jam Session Radio Hour. I am your fortunate host, John Landis, and very fortunate this week to bring you part two of an interview that was done through the auspices of uh, NYU with John McLaughlin. Quite an astute and quite an accomplished uh, jazz performer, John McLaughlin has had a, a great career, really interesting career, really interesting interview. These interviews were done by Dave Schroeder. Um, of uh, NYU, the Steinhardt School. He's the dean of that school. And there are several interviews on NYU, uh, I'm sorry, on YouTube, which we've been g- given access to at the Jam Session Radio Hour. And since we are um, putting together some interviews to cover this period of time when we haven't been able to pl- play before a live Audience, uh, during the COVID nineteen crisis, um, we are lucky enough to have access to these interviews at, on YouTube. That uh, the Steinhardt School did, that Dave Schroeder did. This one was uh, again with John McLaughlin. We did part one last week. We're doing part two this week. There's an interview that was done in December 2016 um, by Dave with John McLaughlin. John McLaughlin is such a an inspiring guy, and such a, a really a conduit of, of interesting information and talent in jazz. Uh, he uh, he's English. He started uh, with his brother's hand-me-down guitar. As he said, his brothers got bored with his guitar, but he took it to bed with him. But but you're going to hear most of this um, through uh, at least the the interview that was last week. And if you if you missed it, we should have that up that podcast up for you on uh, on WLIW's uh, website, and we also carry those podcasts on uh, on Anchor and other, other podcast carriers. Uh, but he started with Flamenco. Uh, he, uh, he went into, um, he became a big fan of Django Reinhardt um, and uh, ended up playing with Miles Davis, uh, with Tony Williams, um, with John Coltrane. Um, and had his own orchestra, the Mahavishnu Orchestra. Uh, did uh, Indian music. Just a, a really fascinating career. Still making music now. So, uh, really enjoy this interview, please, and let's go ahead and listen to it now. Dave Schroeder's interview of John McLaughlin in December 2016.
1: Uh, I interviewed Jimmy Heath, and he said uh, in the late 50s, early 60s, when modal jabs was coming around, and it's like you'd have you know 16 bars of D minor, and he says that nobody knew how to end the solo because there was no 5-1, yeah. so yeah, they just kept going. So I always thought that that would, might have been part of Coltrane's reason for
2: not knowing how to stop. Could be, it could be. Um, but, well, you must have listened to them many hours. Mm-hmm. And I like the way, you know the impressions, the, the, the one that 64, um, 63, yeah. with, with McCoy and, and, and Elvin. And how he ends that, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. How he just, he's coming out of the soul and all of a sudden it's like he does this beautiful curve and moves ambiguously back into, into, the, into the theme. Um, but why he would play so long, I don't know. But you listen to One Up, One Down, The Life of the vice yeah. the Spot? I mean, there's 27 minutes of transcendental music. For me, he, he, he could go on forever, as far as I'm concerned, because he captures me. When it, and, and that particular recording, I don't know why they waited so long to put it out, but it's 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 another level from from the from the Impressions yeah. recording. It's unbelievable what he's playing in this. It's astonishing, and and and. You lose track, of, I lose track of time, I don't even know. I only look, I see, this is 27 minutes long, wow. Yeah. For me, jazz is a way of liberation. Mm-hmm. It can be, it can be. And, but then you ask yourself, liberation from what? And the, and the answer, in, for me, the answer is to be, to be free from myself. Mm-hmm. I want to lose myself completely. Because, and, and Coltrane is a perfect example. And they're great players. They all, they've, they've, they've lost themselves and they become greater as, as a result. So mm-hmm. the whole secret of this freedom is, is, is not freedom from something other than your small So, so
1: describe that in yourself. How did you take these, this music and this message, bring it into your music and so that you lost yourself
2: I didn't, I didn't try anything. I, for me, what was important was, particularly when I started, at the end of the 60s, I started doing yoga, a lot of yoga and meditation. And I got the invitation from, from Tony. And out of the blue, Miles hires me, and, and, and we start recording. I start recording with Miles and doing concerts with Miles and doing concerts and recordings with Tony. I mean, how lucky can you get? But nevertheless, I was... I was uh, very much in my life story of the, of the inner life story, because um, by the time I arrived in New York from Europe, I was really into my yoga. I was into my meditation. And so and New York is such a stimulating city, I got even deeper into it, almost out of necessity, because it's, it's very, you know, for a foreigner, for I mean, you know, and the first night I was here, I was in Harlem. Harlem, I was in paradise. It's paradise for a for a European or a Brit to be in Harlem in that time in the '60s. Mm-hmm. It was like that's that's it. You know, I could have kissed the ground. Amazing. Did you feel intimidated but, coming to New York? Yeah. Overwhelmed. Yeah. yeah, and I think this is one of the, one of the st- the stimuli that that, that um, encouraged me to pursue my, my inner life more deeply. And I did, and I, and, and I, just, I, I mean, before I ended up with Sri Chinmoy, who you mentioned before, who became my meditation guru for five years, um, I became very close to the Sufis. And for those who don't know, the Sufis is the, is the, kind of the, the mystic side of Islam. It's a very beautiful side. And for the, for the Sufi music and dance are sacred. And since um, I was very fortunate to, to, to that Tony invited me because Larry Young, Khalid Yassin, since he became a Muslim, mm-hmm. um, and, and we had no money, very little money. Uh, so Khalid and I, we, we all shared a room whenever we were on tour together, so we had a lot of discussions about, about Islam and about the Sufis and about the, 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 the Sufi message, really. And anyone who's interested, they should read Hazrat Inayat Khan, who originally brought the Sufi message to the West. And at that time, as luck would have it, his son, Pirva Inayat Khan, was running the Sufi Center in New York. Mm. So I used to go, I used to, go to, the, to the Sufi Center in New York, where, where I met Paul Motion who was also fascinated by the yeah, Sufi yeah. movement. And we used, to, we used to hang out actually in the, in the Sufi Center in New York. And then one afternoon I was going to see this yogi and this yogini and doing, then I got with Vishnu Devamanda and all this. And then finally I met with this, this bhakti yogi, uh, Chinmoy, and that's where I really started diving deep into, into meditation. Is that when you started moving towards
1: Indian music? No,
2: no, it had no, already started. Oh. It started actually at the end of the '60s. Um, uh, a musician, South Indian veena player called Balachanda. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know him. Marvelous player! What a marvelous player! String instrument. It's like the grandfather of the sitar, but much lower. And um, and there were and I loved this instrument and I. At that time, I was very lucky coming to New York. New York has everything. And I was invited to a private concert by a North Indian veena player, Dagar, um, playing the Rudra Veena. And this style of, of North Indian vena is without percussion, but it is so deep. Mm-hmm. It's just break your heart, you know, in the right way. It's beautiful. And so, uh, already by 69, w- I wanted to learn Indian music theory. And so I had taken a flute teacher, an Indian flute teacher. He was teaching not Bansuri, but the, the, mm-hmm. uh, the regular mm. regular f- uh, bamboo flute. And then in 72, I would already begun the Mahavishnu Orchestra, but I was deep into my meditation. Mahavishnu was my spiritual name, which is why the band was called that. Mm-hmm. Um, I became a, uh, an extracurricular student of, of Dr. Ramanathan, who was uh, teaching South Indian music at Wesleyan University in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I stayed with him for two years, up to the point where the veena was taking over my life. And uh, I'm not the kind of person who can play two instruments, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So I had to let it go, because I'm like a guitar player. And, uh, By 1973, I would met Zakir Hussain already in 69, and in 72 we played, we jammed together in front of uh, Ali Akbar Khan, Mm. the great Sarod player. Um, um, I'd done a charity concert for his school in California, and Zakir was a, a, a teacher at the school. And I gave this concert at the, in L.A., and, and Zaki came down. He was in Northern California. And he said, um, so, Kansab, Ali Akbar Kansab, wants to meet you, just to say thank you. So we flew up to San Francisco, and I had my acoustic guitar with me, he had the tabla, And where really we were, I mean, the height of pretension, when I think about it, unbelievable, because, not him, me, because he was, he's, he's masterful. He's the greatest tabla player alive. Mm-hmm. I think he already was there but certainly today and uh, and so I'm there and I say hey man you want to jam you know <laughs> it's just ridiculous and and Alaba Khan Saab is sitting there you know and he's smoking his cigarette he said yeah let's just jam so we sat in front of him and we just played uh but it was it was amazing it was amazing well, And from that y- point and I mean the 72 72 71 we became very dear friends, and so by 73, I was coming out of my, my, my Vina teaching with, with Ramanathan from Connecticut. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'd met L Shankar, who was also a teacher there. And I said, um, we have to make a band out of this. So I called here and I called uh, Shankar, and, and, and I used the percussion player, who was the player of my teacher, Ramanathan. And uh, that was Shakti, it was mm-hmm. 1973, so it's gone back quite a while. So you can see what kind of fascination I had for Indian music, because they're great improvisers. It's not a coincidence that, that John trained son is called Ravi, because they knew each other very well. And I had the great fortune to become an extracurricular student of, of Pandit Ravi Shankar in 1974. and. And he taught me South Indian theory, and he's a North Indian musician, Hindustani musician. Why did he? But they, that? Knew, they knew, because he he was the guru. He knew he knew he knew what, what I wanted to learn. I, I wasn't a sitar player. He took me out of the kindness of his heart. So he'd come to New York. He'd call me. He said, just come over. And so you know, I would not go over there and just talk to him. Oh, and he would talk to me. I'd go and get some tea and cake and whatever, you know. And just have the honor of his presence. And one day he said, I want to teach you conical, which is the South Indian, you know, that's this, how you sing the rhythms. And but, he taught me that.
1: But uh, wasn't teaching prioritory? Yeah. Uh, uh, I say that uh, Harry Prad, uh, uh, Harry Chira- Prad Chaurasia. Chir- didn't he learn to play the flute backwards because he <laughs> went to another teacher, or he was studying with somebody first, and then he went wow. to the master, and the master I didn't said, know that. "I'm going to play it this way." <laughs> so when uh, somebody from the west goes over to study mm. or to study with the mm. masters, I I think it would be uh, uh, not not more like this, but they were inviting for you to teach you this language.
2: Oh yeah, I mean the the. I mean, I've had many, many years of association with Indian musicians, mm-hmm. and particularly after I, I realized this little story with the vena I told you, I abandoned the vena, mm-hmm. and I abandoned any pretension I had to be to play classical Indian music, because I'm a jazz player.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I was always a jazz player. I love jazz. And I love rock and roll too, and I love Indian music I love. Flamenco music. I I love all kinds of music. You know, they've all had an impact on me, but uh, one thing's for sure is that Indian musicians, the ones I play with, they're interested in me being a classical Indian music player. They want they want to know about my music. They want Mm. to know about Western music. And they want to know how we can relate to each other. Of course, it really helps for the Westerner if he knows the rules and regulations governing Indian music.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, in fact, just out of respect, I think an effort should be made in that direction. But they make—they make—they're uh, learning harmony. They don't—they have nothing to learn from rhythmical point of view because they're, they're masterly at it. But but harmonically, they're becoming more and more sophisticated, which is which is the. Occidental influence, our influence.
1: So when you learned this, it was a, a steep learning curve. Very. Very steep, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Because, I, I mean, I love Shakti. I love all that music yeah, me too. that you do, mm. but it, it just seems like this is your music. It doesn't seem like you're you're like the odd man out. You're, you're part of that ensemble.
2: I loved it, and I think it's, that's a key word. I think if, if you love something, then, then it'll come to you, and it did. And it still does. I mean, we haven't since... The last concert I had with my Indian friends was December 2013, because a few months later we lost the great Mandolin Srinivas to liver failure, Mm -hmm. 45 years old. And in a way, we haven't gotten over it. I know it's 2016, June 2017. But it's so hard. We, we were together 14 years and it's, yeah, I, I know nobody's irreplaceable, but it's really hard because it's really hard. It's difficult.
3: mm mm-hmm. do mm mm-hmm. Thank <music> you.
0: You're listening to WLIW-FM, Southampton, New York. Also heard on WLIW.org slash radio, Long Island's only NPR station. And this is the Jam Session Radio Hour. And you're listening tonight to an interview, the second part of an interview that we're carrying that was put on YouTube and that we're lucky enough to be able to to bring to you an audio uh, of John McLaughlin done by Dave Schroeder of NYU.
1: This, yeah. you, I mean, just sitting here talking to you, I can tell how deeply this passion is in music. It's not just oh, and then I did this, and then I did this, and then this guy called me, and this guy. But it's years and years of dedication and and passion and love. It's my road. Yeah.
2: It's my road in life. Yes. It's my way.
1: Well, let me. It's yours
2: too, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I'm, try, I'm yeah. trying.
1: I'm trying. Yeah. Let me ask you. you let's let's move. Uh, I had. Uh, Maybe I, I heard you say this on an interview was that uh, Miroslav Vitus invited you to uh, form a band with Wayne Shorter and Joe Zawinul yeah. at one point?
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, Miroslav and I were real close. We met in, in the UK. I met him when he was with Stan Getz. We were playing at Ronnie's. Wow. Only Stan brought his own band, Miroslav was in it. And, and we started to hang out. And I love Miroslav. He's a crazy guy, crazy Czech, but very interesting. And uh, we were both. I got involved in the study of the philosophical tarot for, uh, already by 1963. This was this was very interesting. It's based on the Kabbalah, you know, which itself is based on the Egyptian mysteries. You know, of uh, geometry, you know, the pyramids, the divine proportions, which are very relative in music. In any event, uh, we started to hang out because we had this in common. Because he loved the tarot too. He used to read cards. He used to read hands. Yeah, yeah he was he was really into it. And um, and so, you know, we 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 met regularly. We used to hang out. We we were not playing together. Yeah, he was off doing different things. And but let's fast forward or rewind to I would say. October 1970 and I was I have doing a gig with miles at lenny's on the turnpike wow out of Boston out of Boston right. <laughs> on the turnpike, on the turnpike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and um, that was the band with Gary and Keith and uh, Michael mm. and Jack great band only with um, I hadn't had it together that night. I didn't have it together. And Miles, you know, um, um, just the two of us were in the band room, and he, and he said, you didn't have your shit together tonight. And I said, I know, Miles, I know. <laughs> I know, I felt terrible. But, you know, it happens. And, uh, but, you know, but then he was, he, was, he was always encouraging. You know, I mean, he, he would tell it up front. If you didn't have it together, you had it right in your face, you know. But that's the best. That's the best way. That's the best school. And so, you know, I'm trying to like, commiserate, or right, he's commiserating with me. And, uh, and then out of the blue, he said, "John, it's time you form your own band." Now that was a shock. That was a bolt of lightning from from the heavens, because he's the most honest man I'd ever met. He was brutally honest, but he never he, he never play with you. That was it. And I'm I'm thinking I gotta form my own band. That's the last thing from my mind. I just want to play with him. I'm playing with Tony. I'm, I'm my life is beautiful. Don't don't bother me. You know. But he said it, and and, and my, I revere I revere him to this day. I revered him then, and and. I had to do it to justify him and his faith in me. I, it sounds weird, but I had to do it. So as soon as I got home, I'm starting to thinking, OK, I'm going to make a band. I wanted violin, my mother's instrument. Mm-hmm. And so, and I had, Jan uh, wasn't in the band. I had Billy, I had Rick, and I had Jerry. Mm-hmm. And now, and out, out of the blue, I got a call from Miroslav, and he said, John, putting a band together with Wayne and Joe. We want you in the band. <laughs> you know? Oh and I said, oh man. I would love to be in that band. But I'm under orders. I'm under orders from Miles. I gotta I gotta do my own thing. I gotta make my, my, my own band. He said, oh well I can dig it. He said, but listen, if you want if you want a piano player, I said, I'm looking for a piano player. He said, Jan Hammer, he's another guy from Prague. He's out in California playing with Sarah Vaughan. I said, well, he's playing with Sarah Vaughan. He's no slouch. Because Sarah was something else. Yeah. She was something else. So, and I said, well, you know, he's got a good gig. Yeah, but he's, li- he's looking for out. He wants to move out. Wants to move out musically.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I said, well, maybe he's the one. So I, f- I got his number from Miroslav, thanks to Miroslav, and I called him, and, and Jan was like, let's do it. You know, and that was the first band.
1: Wow. Yeah. And did you have early success with that band? Did I what? Early success, like from the the, the minute too you guys... Too much. Too much. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Now, I, the reason mean. I
1: say that is I've interviewed people like um, um, Ralph Towner and John Abercrombie. And these guys, they said when they came to New York, uh, they were all in Mahavishnu cover bands.
2: Yeah, it was weird. It was the last thing I expected. Yeah. I didn't, you know, I'd never done anything. I'd had my commercial thing when I was a studio shark in the 60s, and I never wanted to go back. It was either they take me or they don't, you know, but whatever, you do or you die. Let's go, you gotta go for your dream. Yeah. And, uh, And so the band was just what I wanted to do. But don't forget, I just had two years with Tony And the thing about Tony, because you know Miles wanted to be in his band all the time. And the most ironic situation for me, like nine months of being with with Tony and Miles, was Miles asked me to to join his to leave Tony and join his band Tony and I said, Miles, I'm not I'm not able to do that. Because Tony gives me something oh yeah, I know, I know you know. Of course, he knew what Tony Tony was doing to to, to me and Larry and to anybody we played with. Mm -hmm. The thing about Tony, compared to the situation with Miles, is that Tony loved what I was writing, and he encouraged me. So most of the Mahavishnu music that came out in the early record, the work was done with Lifetime. Mm -hmm. With Miles, 'Cause I used to go he'd be inviting me to his house all the time when I was free, over on 77th. And I take the guitar, you know, and we'd be there. It's just the two you know, and he'd say, he'd hit a chord. What do you hear? He wanted a guitar. He wanted a guitar, just like Tony wanted a guitar player. I just happened to be there. I was I was lucky. Mm. But since I since the whole of the sixties, I was R and B. Funk, James Brown, and that's where he wanted to go. He wanted R&B. Yeah. Jack Johnson, classy example. Right. Classy example. Because he didn't have any music for that, for that session. And I don't know if musically you, you know about the dance of Maya, but we were all waiting at Billy. That's where I met Billy for the first time. That's where we hooked up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Miles was talking to Tio Macero for about 20 minutes. And the control room, and I'm bored. So I started playing these changes that subsequently became the dance of Maya. Only I, I wanted—I just started doing a shuffle, R&B shuffle. Can you hear it? I mean, mm-hmm. that's—and and Billy hit a beat. Michael k- Henderson came in, and and we it, we hit a groove. Miles ran in the studio with his trumpet playing. And he went on to, to play a 15-minute solo of the lights I'd never heard in my life. And that was right off. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And, I mean, it was just a total jam. It was a total jam. But that's where Miles wanted to go. I oh, mean, you could hear it later. I mean, okay, he went into his semi retirement, you know, mm-hmm. because he wasn't well at all. And when he came out, I mean, he was musically transformed, in a way, wasn't he?
1: Absolutely. How was it that uh, Miles named a tune after you?
2: I will never know the answer Did to this know. question. I don't know.
1: Did you know that that was going to be named not to not at you until the
2: record came out? Nothing, nothing. But I know every time, I mean, I just what I just said, we were go, I was going over to his house on a, on a regular basis, and every time, every time he, uh, I'd say goodbye. he stuffed stuff a $100 bill in my pocket and just say, make sure you eat. You know? Wow. He was beautiful. He really took care of me. Actually, I don't think I would have survived without Miles in New York. Because with Tony, we were making, Larry and me we were making $20 a night. You know, Okay, it was 1969, 1970, so it, it was more. Mm-hmm. But it was hard to survive, even wow.
1: so. You know, I was uh, a friend of mine is Badal Roy, that said that Badal Roy.
2: Yes. He, he's the one I introduced to Miles. Well, that's
1: he told me that story that he was working in the window at an Indian restaurant and you would come by
3: and
2: join oh, yeah. with him. Oh yeah. Is that the story? Badal Roy. Yeah, because he was he's on, he's on that acoustic album I did for Douglas Records.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, my Goals Beyond. My Goals Beyond. Yeah. yeah. He's on the side B, yeah. yeah. Liebman, Billy's on that. Jerry's, Jerry's on that. On it. Yeah. al yep. uh, Roy.
1: yeah. And you play a Mingus tune
2: on there too. Mingus, yeah. What a tune. Yeah. Pork by Hat. Yep. What a killer tune that is. But Mingus had a thing. I love Mingus.
1: Well, let me ask you. You know, you talked about 1959 is a seminal year for Kind of Blue. Yeah. But it was also Mingus Ah uh, Um. Yes. It was. Uh, uh, Shape of Jazz to Come, Ornette. Ornette, it yes. It was uh, Dave Brubeck's Time Out, and it was Giant Steps. Yeah. And uh, the funny thing is, uh, uh, Verve Records, um, uh, the guy that ran Verve Records, what's his name? Um, Norman Verve? Grants. Oh yeah, he, Jazz at the decided, He decided that in 1959, 1960, Jazz was dead, and he sold Verve Records. Wow. So, he later started Pablo Records, but uh, but he thought that the new wave of music was not something that was marketable. Maybe.
2: Well, you know, that's funny,
0: because I would have I would have figured that he'd be a little more far seeing. Please keep listening to WLIW FM, Southampton, New York, and WLIW dot org slash radio. Um, Long Island's only NPR station. And this is the Jam Session Radio Hour. I'm your host, John Landis. And uh, you're listening to an interview by Dave Schroeder of NYU Steinhardt School of John McLaughlin.
1: Well, his guys were Oscar Peterson and Charlie know. Parker and Lester Young.
0: I
2: mean, I, I, mean, I grew up, you know, yeah. I used to listen to jazz at the film. They were great records. Yeah. Oscar Peterson, that trio, with Harbelis or with, mm-hmm. with um, Barney Kessel. Barney Kessel, yeah. Ray Brown, but I was happy, even though the guitar player was in there, I was happy when, when Ed Thigman joined his band, because I love Oscar. But you know, he got real criticized. He got too much technique, playing too many notes, yeah. you know. But the, 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 almost the, the, the best I ever heard. Did you ever hear the Miles in Stockholm? Mm, yes. So you had the interview mm. with, with, the, with the Swedish interview with Coltrane? It's on the record. I think so, yes. But do you remember what he's saying? I mean, he was so rude. Not rude, but he was, he clearly had no idea what Train was doing. You know, and on the microphone he's saying, you know, people say you have a really ugly sound, you know, and you have no tone, you know. I mean, really, you know, I mean, you know Coltrane's sound. Mm -hmm. What a sound. And Coltrane was so gracious, you know, and he says, yeah, I know I'm working on it, you know. I want to get a better sound, <laughs> you know what I mean? And this moron is just like, no idea. Um, but the interviews on the CD is crazy. Oh, but you see, I mean, there's always been people. I mean, but the thing is, the purists are everywhere. I mean, a lot of people I've worked with, Zakir Hussain from Tabla, severely criticized by the, the purists, the classical purists. Mahavishnu orchestras, this is not jazz.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Paco de Lucia very criticized by the flamenco purists for playing with me. What are you going to do? Listen to these people? They think they know what the real thing is? Right. I mean, The thing is, uh,
1: I know who you are, but I don't know who those (laughs) purists are. You don't know who? I don't know the purist, The flamenco purists, they never came over. They never crossed over to most of us. We know John McLaughlin. Well, they're there,
2: believe me. They're everywhere.
1: (laughs) Well, let me ask you. We have a couple more minutes here. Okay. Um, is there what? What else? What are you, else are you preparing to do? In music, you've done so much. Uh, and like you said, you're not dead yet.
2: No, I'm not dead yet. Um. Well, my association with India is not dead either, because it's, that's a country I really, truly love, and the people in it also, and. Uh, I don't know if you know, did you ever see the Remember Shakti with Shankar Mahadevan, the singer?
3: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, Shankar and I have been working on a project for over a year now, about 18 months, whereby um, it's a new way of bringing East and West together, but it's bringing my classical education into it. so we'll both be, he'll be singing, and the, the parts where I'll be playing also, but it's with kind of orchestra.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So I'm busy orchestrating. Wow. It's And it's really, really exciting. And, and so Shankar is very excited, but it's, it's something that neither of us have ever heard before. So in a way it's, it's, uh, But it's it's just it's an artistic endeavor, you know. And 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 we've got we've got about three pieces now that we're gonna put out eventually. And um, but it's just for people to enjoy. If they enjoy it, fine, Mm -hmm. you know. Anyway, there's no record (laughs) industry, is there? Well, who's selling records uh, anymore? But uh, terrible. I mean,
1: I'm certainly listening to records. Uh, Remember, Shakti is one of my favorite records. Uh, There's a Zakir Hussain record. um, making music, making music is yeah, gorgeous. with Jan Grabarek. Oh, There's yeah. another guy that's transcended into the uh, yeah. East.
2: Well, no, he's not alone. I mean, no. full, uh, Charlie Mariano. Yes. Another one, Don Cherry.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah.
2: listen, not uh, to mention Train. Let's not forget, train. Not forget
1: <laughs> train. Hey, is there any final words of uh, advice you can give to all the people that are going to watch this today? What, what can you inspire them to because the music business is upside down now and
2: Yeah, but it's, it has to but for the music business is in a terrible state, but but It is my profound conviction that to be a musician is the greatest privilege. I could f- I'm I feel blessed to be a musician I think it's a great honor and it doesn't come without its price and without its sacrifices because it demands everything it wants all your inner resources as well as your exterior resources Mm -hmm. it needs all of you it will take all of you but what music gives back is infinitely more than what we give to it it's really the most rewarding of occupations
4: I am me your hand I am in your Te रे बंदे मैं तो तेरे पास re bande main to tere paas mein khoji ho turat mil ek pal ओ जी हो ए, तुरत मिल जाऊँ एक पल की तलाश कहत कभी <Es poor raccoing noise> I am I am you in your
0: Once again, thank you for being with us tonight. Uh, This was part two of an interview that Dave Schroeder of the Steinhardt School at NYU did with John McLaughlin back in uh, December 2016. It's been a delightful privilege for us to be able to bring this to you and to continue to bring you some more interesting interviews in the future, both some that we've done ourselves, others that we are partaking of from our friends at NYU. And thank you, uh, we thank them so much. Uh, this was hosted uh, for NYU by Dave Schroeder. Uh, I was your host on the Jam Session Radio Hour, John Landis. Uh, the Dave Schroeder interview was, uh, interview was produced by Joseph Vella, Ed Parada, Shake Up Productions, and made possible by a gift from uh, Selma Geller. Um, our sound engineer tonight has been Rafael Alvarez. Rafael has also chosen the music. Uh, which you've heard and which you heard last week, and will continue to work with us on these various interview shows and all of our music shows. Our music director at the jam session is Clayus Brandall. Again, I'm your host, John Landis, for the jam session radio hour. Thanks for joining us once again. Please stay safe, wear a mask, socially distance. We'll get out of this. And thanks so much, and good night.